There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. You know, here at Bent, we love the children. I just really hope none were listening to that. The only reason you have a Helios 3 is because I brought it to you. You couldn't afford a goddamn ugly stick on the salary. You make bully tourists out of Abaco. Went in, bought all the flies, bought a fly box to put them in, went out to the river, immediately lost the fly box. It was one of the cool ones with like, it was like the aluminum and glass with like the windows and shit. Just find someone who get out under the mistletoe and oh my lordy, make it happen. Good morning, degenerate anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that just wants to say... She falls in a well, eyes go cross, she gets kicked by a mule, they go back to normal. I don't know. <laughs> I'm Joe Cermelli. And I'm Hayden Samak, and I have no idea what that was. <laughs> oh, you have to at least know what it's from. I saw the title of it. Like, I know it's from that, but like, I, I've <laughs> adding to the pantheon of movies that Hayden has not seen. That is, uh, that is, you've the never seen the Christmas hall. Vacation. Yeah. You nope. had to have seen the Chris. Oh my God. I I've am, never I seen am, any wow. of like, I've never, I know there's like family vacation and, you know, I've, I've never, I've never seen them. All right. All right, you might hear something about that. Anyway, what that was, I, I opted out of Clark Griswold saying, folks, folks, Merry Christmas at the last second while putting this together. And I opted into that because I felt like it, because it's a better line. That's all. Is it the anals or the annals? I think it, it's either way. It's like tomato, tomato. All right. I well, I'm sure, I'm sure listeners are going to let me know. Um, <laughs> and I mean, like, you know, and that's even if they're listening today anyway, because it, yeah. it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> so... I guess it kind of gives us a license to sort of say whatever we want without a bunch of consequences. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think we can be a little weirder than normal. Um, so I do, and you know what? You, since Ben started, I swear to God, every major holiday has fallen on a Friday, <laughs> like without fail. <laughs> like, join us next week for the yeah. Join us next week for the New Year's Eve show. Like, give me a break, you know. Uh, but you know, <laughs> despite that, 
we always have a good time with holidays. I, I mean, if nothing else, it makes coming up with a theme incredibly easy. So that's always kind of nice. I, it is kind of nice. Uh, like the obvious thing for me to do right now is to ask you, uh, these holiday scripts do write themselves. What, what, what would Santa <laughs> be leaving under your tree uh, this year, Joe? Uh, <laughs> uh, I asked for a uh, new set of drift boat oars, which Santa said, he said, that's no problem. But the elves he has working at cataract oars, like him, I guess we'll say embedded at cataract oars, they're a little backed up. So strong chance my <laughs> oars won't end up under the tree tomorrow morning. Like more yeah. like Santa might have to swing by with those just before spring shad season kicks in. But uh, how about you? What are you getting this year? Um, I asked Santa Claus for a used truck topper. Um, (laughs) (laughs) well, I, you know, I'm not going to make like Santa source materials in like the times of COVID. Cause like, that's not cool. It's like, it's, it's a little greedy. Um, and I'll tell you what, Santa, I'm formally offering to go have these with you. If you can find a used one in like the two grand range. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, one better. I'll go look on Craigslist and <laughs> save the elves the trouble. And, uh, yeah, man, set up very low, very low lift gift this year. That is so nice, man. What a guy helping Santa out like that. You know, thinking about it, I, be- I bet out there somewhere is a Jerry, the canoe salesman for truck toppers. I'll bet you he exists. Yeah, probably. But instead of like a cup of tea, you got like pound natty ice and a, a shot of Jaeger and uh, <laughs> and hang out with him around like the burn barrel, you know? <laughs> that could be more interesting than the real Jerry. Uh, yeah. But hey, dude, at least doing that it would add an element of excitement to receiving, you know, that gift. Mm-hmm. Um, I always felt kind of sad, you know, like Risk. as you get older, it's it's a little bit sad. Yes. It's a little sad because you know what you're getting, right? Like you get what you need, uh, you get less junk, and you get what you need. But the magic of sort of losing sleep over whether or not something you ask for will or will not be under the tree is gone. Um, like, oh man, so many specific presents come to mind yeah. for me. But a big one was the Micro Machines race in a case. The Micro Machine Man here with the perfect fit crew, the Mini Micro Man. Want to come in first place? Get the electric Micro Machines race in a case. Super fast, super slot. Open the case to start the race. Plug it in and play. It's set up that way. Race your Micro Machines road races down the river track up rolling roadways past the parking place, little light post, and super storage area. When you're done, you carry away the fun. And check out the crazy double corkscrew curve on the Micro Machines barrel roll competition. Zigzag in, out, up, out, all around. The Micro Machines race in the case and barrel roll competition race sets. Each sold separately with two road racing vehicles, power packs, and controllers from Galoob. And I got it, but it kind of sucked. Like the cars didn't really stay on the track. It was not that easy to pack back up into the case, but I was still thrilled to have it. You know, it was like, it was a big one. Yeah. See, like, I don't remember specific toys like that. It was more whatever, like I was obsessed with at the time, like fishing or, you know, hunting or what have you. Um, But I was like, when I was a kid, kid, I was really into Pokemon cards. Like, um, you were, you may have been as enthralled uh, by the micro machine commercials as I was about these kinds of commercials. See, wow, man. See, I had no idea. Like, have you and Phil bonded over this? 
Because I, I don't think he could ever fire you. Isn't that some kind of Pokemon warrior code? I, 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 this is all news to me. I, I think other than working at Meteor, this might be the only thing that Phil and I uh, have ever had in common. <laughs> <laughs> um, although, you know, my, my Pokemon days are a little bit behind me, but I remember being a kid and there were like 10 packs of Pokemon cards in my stocking one year. And I went just like apeshit. Yeah, like it, it, yeah. it was never like that. Like I wasn't from like, it wasn't like when I wanted something as a kid, I just got it in spades. You know, if I, sure. if I begged enough for it, like you got one would, pack of Pokemon cards. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But you yeah. know, and every now and again, it was a special thing. Um, but he <laughs> on Pokemon cards, here's something that's going to drive Phil just nuts. Uh, when I when Phil, this is for you, man. When I was in first grade, so like 1998, I traded a holographic first edition Chansey for two just regular ass Pikachus because the show had led me to believe that Pikachu was the best thing that there could possibly be. So uh, you know what that means, and I'm sure you're gritting your teeth right now. Um, he's gonna call you into his office, like with a little like buzz, like Hayden, can come to my office, please. Thanks. Yeah, he's like, what the <laughs> f- were you thinking? <laughs> Um, but thinking back on like a present that really blew my mind, uh, was I got a Crossman pellet gun Oh, and there was a full on campaign involved. <laughs> Dude, I snuck BB gun onto my list every year and I never actually got one from Santa, but my, my grandfather used to snap up everyone he saw at flea market. So I had a whole arsenal, um, at his place. Anyway, we certainly hope uh, you find what you want under the tree tomorrow. Perhaps there will even be a few goodies from our sponsors, 13 Fishing. Um, if you were really good, like really, really good, maybe you'll even find the Black Betty Freefall Carbon 10th Anniversary uh, Trick Shop Edition Ice Reel. Have you seen that one? I know you have. Dude, I <laughs> ache for one of those, man. I <laughs> ache for one of those. It's like this like brilliant gold. Yeah. It shines like a thousand suns. It's like the Excalibur of the ice fishing world. That, exactly. It kicks so much ass, man. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's very bold. It's either Excalibur or like the real ODB would use. Um, but, but despite it being a bold statement piece, it's also highly functional. I probably should have asked Santa for one, you know? It's never too late, man. Um, mm. You might get a chance in a very special edition of our rapid fire Q&A segment, Covering Water. I'm going in. Cover me, Porkins. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. Pull up! So now, Joe, uh, a couple weeks ago, I set up kind of a cool interview about the issues on the Madison River, and we both thought it went like, we both thought it went really well. Yeah, I mean, kind of cool. I'm just kidding, dude. It was great. It was great. Okay, well, for this installment of Covering Water, uh, I've kind of set up something a little extra special, and I'm oh, I'm really excited. Today, we're joined by a very remote guest, all the way from the North Pole. That's right, boys and girls, we're here with the one and only Santa Claus. <coughs> What's up? You, you, you okay, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. All right. Um, like I said, we're here with Santa and Joe. You said a certain someone might want to say hi. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask. Uh, can can my three year old say hi real quick? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Perfect. His name is it's Jamie. I know what his name is. 
Right. Okay. Uh, great. Hey, bud, come here for one second. There's somebody I want you to meet. Look who it is, Jamie. Who's that? Santa. What's up, kid? Dad, why is Santa look so sleepy? He's real tired from making all the toys, bud. Yo, a kid's old enough to know Santa's got a buzz on there, Jamie. What's a buzz? Actually, bud, why don't, can you go downstairs? Why don't you go downstairs for a little while, okay? Okay. Thanks, buddy. Come on, man, really? You, you guys just want to take it from the top real quick? Yeah, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it's Christmas Eve. Let's just do the interview, okay? All right. So Hayden brought you in because it turns out um, you're, you're quite the avid angler. Now, I know you're normally the one who asks this, uh, but Santa, what do you want for Christmas, man? Well, St. Nick wants is a trip to St. Bart's and some time off. As a matter of fact, as soon as I get done dropping off all this shit tonight, old Santa Claus is going to take a well-deserved trip for some billfish, just me and Brandy. Uh, I mean, Mrs. Claus. You're going to chase some bonefish while you're down there. You know, I, I hear hey, that. Hey, hey, let me stop you right there. I tried the whole fly fishing for bonefish thing. Fuck that. One of those snot-nosed 20-year-old Instagram influencers, wannabe guides, completely turned me off to that shit. Yeah, well, yeah, that can that could be tough. Um, but I guess it's a good reminder for our listeners, always make sure you're booking with a really reputable guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, that kid had the audacity to tell me that if I had a Helios 3 like him, maybe I'd be able to get out 10 more feet of line and actually make a shot. Mother f- the only reason you have a Helios 3 is because I brought it to you. You couldn't afford a goddamn ugly stick on the salary you make pulling tourists around Abaco. Yeah, I can see how that uh, that might be. Um, and you know what else? All of you, stop asking for fancy-ass setups for Christmas. Do you know how many cease and desist orders I get from St. Croix? Do you know how many elves I've lost to graphite dust and resin fumes? Do you know how many times I've had to take infinitely time sleigh ride to avoid OSHA? A lot, okay? Stop it. Um, maybe Maybe we should just move on here, okay? Let's just let's just all take a breath while I explain exactly how covering water works. So this is our rapid fire Q&A segment of Ben. OK, and what Hayden and I are going to do is we're going to put two minutes on the clock and we are just going to pepper you with questions. And the whole idea here is that you don't really have any time to answer. You can't think too hard. You just have to kind of answer as quickly as you can. And then what we'll do at the end of this, we promise, um, is to give you one minute to expand or explain more about whatever you think was the most damning answer. And, and based on how this has gone so far, I, I, would, I would expect that there's going to be some damning answers. So does that all sound good, Santa? I'm ready. Okay, perfect. Let me put two minutes on the clock here. Hayden, you're going to uh, ask first, right? Yep. All right. Uh, let's see how this goes. And begin. Milk or cookies? Rum balls. What species of fish is on your bucket list? A megalodon. How is that? How's that possible? Look, I live in a magic world where all things are possible, you fucking idiot. But the permit is just fucking outrageously expensive. <laughs> in all your years of doing this, which lure has ended up in stockings more than any other? I mean, it was a daredevil spoon for almost 80 years until some dipshit decided to make a crankbait that looked like a Budweiser can. All right. Uh, favorite reindeer? Uh, I don't know yet. What do, you, what do you mean you don't know yet? CWD, man. We got a new crew this year. <laughs> they all got CWD? Uh, and died? 
No, yeah. Turns out it was just Blitz, and I had to test them all, though. Whatever. Freezer's full. Holy shit. <laughs> Everyone is so consumed with clean energy, yet you still rely heavily on coal. Can you tell us why? You're kidding, right? Really? That's your ethics question? Not the hundreds of years of forced elven labor? Look, I got an endless supply of coal up there, okay? You switch to putting hypoallergenic crystals or some shit in the stockings of the kids that were ass all year, the cost of goods goes up. All right. Uh, where's the one place you've always wanted to visit? Are you f***ing with me? I am literally going everywhere tonight. <laughs> what? What's your favorite fish to eat? That's easy. Dolphin. I, I'm also a big fan of mahi-mahi. No, 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 no. Dolphin. Like, flipper dolphin. Yes! Santa hates dolphins, everybody. My man. Uh, who's the naughtiest angler on your list this year? That ginger kid you pal around with. Ross Robertson? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite lure of all time? Michigan cricket. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we're running out of time here. Best gift you ever got. <laughs> Well, this one year, Jack Frost and the heat miser got together and got me this huge cake, right? They left it in the middle of the workshop. Now, I'm about to cut into it, and boom, candy pops out. And I'm not talking about Jolly Ranchers. I'm talking about candy. One of the North Pole dancers. And let me cut tell him off. you. Enough, enough, enough. Cut him off. Cut him off. Right. Cut him off. Cut him off. All right, everyone. Uh, Santa Claus. <laughs> Uh, Joe, you want to wrap this up, man? Santa, yeah, Santa, I, I, I know you're busy, and I think you have to get going. Uh, but fair is fair. You are supposed to have one minute to expand on, on any one of your answers. Maybe uh, you want to tell us a little bit more. Well, let me just tell you a little bit more about candy. You know, here at Bent, we love the children. <laughs> I just really hope none were listening to that because you'll, dude, you'll have 300 kids at the mall next Christmas asking Santa for Budweiser crankbaits and Michigan crickets. You know what I mean? Yeah. We might've, we might've done a disservice to the youth there. Yeah. In, in case, uh, you know, some listeners are extraordinarily ethical folks and have never surrounded themselves with this type of company. A Michigan cricket is a gigantic, like weighted treble hook. It's like an egg sinker fused onto a treble hook. Yeah. And it's used to, uh, to snag fish. Now you can do that like legally for like paddle fish, but most of the time you hear it talked about, it's in the, uh, the great Lake salmon scene. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Less that's wholesome. right. No offense, Michigan, but I, I did once, I, I did once see a Pennsylvania conservation officer, pull about 15 of those out of his glove box and he'd collected them along elk and walnut <laughs> creek in just a couple of days you know what i mean like i was like i can't believe it's that many pretty crazy um but you know what speaking of snagging let's see who snagged the better fishing related story in this week's fish news fish news that escalated quickly all right so real quick uh question for you have you ever gotten a lure or some uh -huh. flies for Christmas, right? And then you stare at them all winter because, you know, it's winter, so you can't run out to use the new hula popper. And then the first time you uh, ever get them out of the water, you lose them? Well, let me tell you a story, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know you love my long-winded stories. Uh, I do. Something more uh, kind of analogous to that is the uh, Edison show. You know, you can go there and you get a whole bunch of flies for like the super fly fishing cheap. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Well, I just got sick of being burned on uh, not having super small flies. So I went there one time with like 
250 bucks in my pocket. I was like, look, I'm going to get all the midges. I'm going to get all like the little <laughs> tiny betas. I'm going to get all that shit just taken care of right now. Went in, bought all the flies, bought a fly box to put them in, went out to the river, immediately lost the fly box. Oh my God. You lost the entire box. The entire thing. And it was one of the cool ones with like, it was like the aluminum and glass with like the windows and shit. Oh, the little, you flick the switch and they yeah, pop. It's with like a little spring. Like English like chalk blade. stream style stuff. Yeah, it goes in a yeah, tweed yeah, jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Switchblade English uh, <laughs> chalk stream, same thing. <laughs> I, I don't have a specific lore or fly story, but it happened to me um, in another, in another capacity uh, with a remote control boat. Like, I got one of those for Christmas. So neither of these are actually related to the question. No, I started with the question. They're not related at all. But I was told by my dad not to touch it until spring, and he would mm-hmm. take me out and show me how to use it. Did I listen? No. And I sunk it. Was it a Titanic um, I, situation? No, it was a really sweet, like, Chris Craft sport fisher. And it no, went no, around saying, the did park. Did you hit an iceberg? No, it literally, I shit you not, it just went around in one circle. The, the bow dipped, and it literally just drove itself underwater. And then I watched it <laughs> underwater, still driving, oh, and just like spiraled ones. down. It was a bad deal. Uh, anyway, here's why I started. Here's why I brought up Lost Lures. Um, because if you happen to need a break from your family over the holidays, just quick note that the final episode of the Canadian Angle with Jay Siemens drops today on Meat Eater's YouTube channel. And here's what he does: he dons full scuba gear, he goes diving on Lake of the Woods for Lost Lures, refurbishes them. And then uses your misfortune to score himself an epic muskie <laughs> to close it. Like you, you got to see it, right? And, and I thought the whole premise was extremely clever the way he did that. Yeah, man, that, that's uh, that's badass, man. I grew up uh, <laughs> fishing Lake Wall and Paw Pack a bunch, and yeah. it's a uh, it's a hydroelectric dam is like you know the the reason for this lake being here. So the water level changes like constantly, and where I lived, mm-hmm. there was this shoal that went straight out along this weed bed. And every summer around like, you know, August is when they would drop the lake the lowest. So you could go out on that shoal. And oh, yeah. In, in addition to picking up like f- pretty fresh props, I mean, some of them were dinged up, but occasionally you could find like a nice, clean prop. Yeah. Uh, you would yeah. find all sorts of lures and cool crankbaits and shit just going oh, all there, the way down. Some people, that that's thing. their hobby, man. Like that's just yeah. what they, they barely fish, they just pick up lures. Uh, But anyway, I thought that was really neat. You should watch that. Uh, Let's get on with the news here. We're going to try and keep it light and perhaps uh, Festivus. I don't know. I've gone Festivus, but I don't know where you've gone because this is a competition and uh, we don't know which story the other dude grabbed. And at the end, uh, jolly old St. Philip of the uh, Audius Engineericus Mountains will declare a winner. And it is your lead this week, my man. So have at it. All right, man. So, uh, you know... It's not super festive. It's not festive. It's not festivus, is it? <laughs> no, no. Unless you can okay. consider like a you know the the destruction of one of the most important fisheries in the world a uh, a festive mm. occasion. Is that something that well, makes what, you what's jolly? The fi- what fishery are we talking about? All right. So <laughs> so recently it was recommended that there be a four fifths reduction on the cod catch in one of the two primary New England cod fisheries. You can. Um, you can blame the Italians. Seven fish is bacala, man. It's pretty much all the <laughs> Italians' fault. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, darn Italians. I'm I am very Italian. Please don't at me. Uh, <laughs> on, on December 10th, the New England Fishery Management Council decided uh, on a quota of 540,000 pounds, um, and this is of, you know, Atlantic cod, 
down from a previous quota of 2.4 million pounds. So yeah, again, a lot. Like a, yeah. Yeah. Four fifths reduction. Uh, the reduction yep. would be for the George's bank. Um, the other primary Atlantic cod fishery that way, uh, the Gulf of Maine will see the quota, uh, stay, you know, stable from last year, I believe it 590,000 pounds. Now look, reductions like this in the economic short term suck. Uh, but this kind of management really is essential for long-term conservation goals. Uh, and to contextualize it, we can look back on a little history of New England's cod fishery to understand why. And Joe, I'm going to pass this to you in a second. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite a history. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah. So everybody likes cod. You know, it's a white, firm, flaky fish. It, it's good to eat. It's not fishy. Everybody <laughs> likes it, man. It's the same reason everybody likes walleye. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same reason everybody likes, you know, but, which has like always been kind of like a funny thing to me. It's like upper echelon of edible fishes. They're defining like characteristic. People be like, it's not fishy at all, man. Uh, you're, which, you're right. <laughs> but see, I can't, I can't rip on that too much because we've said, I've said a bunch of times on the show. I think you have too. Like you and I are not fans of overly fishy fish. No, man. No, man. There's a reason that when I get like sushi and it's like a sushi, like chef's assortment or like, you know, dinner where it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. 10 pieces or whatever. I'm always like, hey, can you substitute <laughs> the mackerel for like, yeah, I, I do know, the same thing else. Please assort the mackerel off of the sushi platter. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but this, this was a resource that was hugely important. I mean, it's been important in the context of history. In fact, the dude who wrote the book Salt has that book Cod. I mean, like mm -hmm. there's a lot of meat mm -hmm. on that bone. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was a, it was a hugely valuable resource for not only the indigenous folks of America, but for early settlers as well. Now, yep. fast forward to the 20th century and super efficient commercial processing, you know, on boats coupled with more efficient fishing techniques, uh, the fishery became overfished. And I mean, I, you know, a lot more about that particular history than I do. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done uh, some cod fishing out of Montauk back in the day. Um, and, and, Eric and, and Garber just caught a surprise cod. Well, I was going to say, so yeah, Eric, what'd you say his last name was? Garber? Oh, Kerber, leave it in. Leave it in, Damn my it. old pal no. Kerber. Oh, man, I'm going to go. <laughs> Is this airing after we go fishing with him? I don't know, maybe. Sorry, Too bad. Bro. It's okay. Uh, yeah, man, Eric Kerber, my boy, uh, Eric, he recently, it was a, that was a, a very big cod yeah. for Jersey and it was very close in shore cause he was talking. He wasn't like way offshore, yeah. but I've done some of this out of Montauk. Um, there was a time when the Jersey boats were advertising cod trips again, but it was kind of bullshit. Like basically what that meant was we'll take you out to the Ling grounds and probably two or three cod will end up yeah. on somebody's line, you know, but to say yeah. we're going out to target them. And we could spend hours on this, but the bottom line is like uh, cod was such an important fish throughout the Northeast recreationally for so many years. I mean, the party boats made their money, the recreational captains. I remember reading articles in the archives of Field and Stream, like in the dead of winter when the stripers were all gone, dudes on Cape Cod would go out there and surf fish for 20, 30 pound cod, like wow. in the waves on Cape Cod. That's cool. um, and I've had some good cod fishing, but the consensus you talk to any old heads, it's like, this is nothing. Well, this yeah, is I mean, crap. Like this nothing. is just, you know, it's like if you want, if your dream is to catch a 40, 50 pound cod, that is extremely hard to do anymore. You know? Right, right. So, so back in the day, like 
in nine, we're going to go to 1976 real quick. In 1976, the Magnuson Act, and this is what contributed to a lot of like the pressure and a lot of like the commercial overfishing. In 1976, the Magnuson Act uh, it prohibited foreign operations from fishing within the exclusive economic zone of the mm-hmm. United States, uh, the EEZ, right? And the EEZ includes all fisheries within 200 miles of the U.S. coast. Now, you would think that that would do, you know, that would alleviate the pressure. Mm-hmm. Well. Yes and no. I mean, sure, from like foreign commercial fleets eliminated all that pressure unilaterally. Um, But because folks got so excited about like the lack of, you know, international competition, the U.S. fleet expanded and the pressure on the resource within that 200 mile like buffer zone intensified. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a very like be careful. You, you're it's, it's so back in the day. I mean, there's a thing called the Cod Wars. It's been raging forever. But yeah, back in the day, like you'd have Russian boats on Georgia's yeah. bank. Like from you know, it was insane. But you're right. That's exactly what happened. They got all them out, and then everybody's like, "Well, now mine, 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 mine." Yep. And it was such an economic driver that that's exactly what happened. We right. we overfished them. We got them out and overfished it ourselves. You know. Right. So since then, or maybe not since then, but you know, within the wake of that act. Um, in the last 40 years or so, the, the decline, uh, intake has been sort of like precipitous, uh, to contextualize that in the 1980s, right. Annual catches typically topped a hundred million pounds of cod. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then after a crash in, you know, the nineties, not, not so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. now there is a lot of these conservation stories, man, they're like so doom and gloom that I feel like it gets people unenthusiastic about good changes that are being made, even if they're difficult changes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Some people like the reaction is, Oh, well, like I'll never go do that because it's just so messed up. Some people throw their hands up and say, well, if it's this messed up already, why not make hay while the sun shines? Yeah. Um, but there is good news. Uh, per Noah, um, in the Gulf of Maine fishery, a 10-year rebuilding plan has been implemented uh, for this stock, and the stock is targeted to rebuild by 2024. Mm-hmm. Gulf of Maine, as I understand it, they have the best thing going. Like yeah. that's the mm-hmm. best cod fishery in the Northeast right now is in the Gulf of Maine. Yeah, and this has been the second, you know, this is the second rebuilding plan for this stock. So I mean, it's something that you know folks have had their eye on, and they've been trying to you know perpetuate the resource. Now, with continued careful management, back to what we're talking about, which is this you know four fifths quota slash on George's Bank, the George's Bank stock is scheduled to rebuild by 2027. So mm-hmm. a lot of these like management programs, people have like the idea of like, okay, we'll implement these cuts that like is no, that are no fun for anybody. And then we'll see what happens. You know, it, right. it's important to remember that, you know, similar to like, uh, you know, the other week we covered, you know, the Mackinac in the Flathead Lake. Yep. There are defined conservation goals attached to these plans. And when these plans are successful and that goal is met, you get something a lot better than that resource that wasn't doing so well before these plans were implemented. So, you know, take your medicine and we'll come out with a better thing. (laughs) Um, You know, another interesting like kind of thing to note is kind of how we consume fish and the effect that it has on fisheries. Um, For instance, uh, speaking of like, you know, to keep it on cod, uh, a shift to the more stable and economical Pollock has taken 
a lot of pressure off the cod fisheries. Uh, mm-hmm. To contextualize that, McDonald's fish fillet was cod, now Pollock. See, that's interesting. Be, well, maybe I, see, I was not aware that McDonald's fillet of fish was ever truly cod. I thought it was cod yep. from Alaska, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, the funny thing is, I, I haven't had a piece of cod in probably 10 years. And the last time I ate it, I caught it. Because if I see it in a fish market, it's usually too expensive. And if I see it on a menu, I just don't ever believe that it's cod. Because I yeah. know so much about the cod fishery. I'm like, really? This is 20 bucks a pound in the fish market, but for $15.95, I can have the all-I-can-eat cod fish and chips? I doubt it. But the truth is... There's nothing wrong with Pollock. It always gets downplayed like, oh, that's not as good. Pollock is delicious, and there's a lot more of them, you know? Do you know what the fish fillet was uh, even before cod? This is the second switch. Do you know what the fish fillet was made with originally? I don't, but I'm going to take a wild stab. Dogfish. No. (laughs) No. The, uh, The first thing that the McDonald's fish fillet was made of was actually halibut. Oh, oh, and then they got, yeah, that then makes a lot of sense, cod, actually. Now yep. Well, here's one final note on, on cod. You know, everybody's like, oh my God, fresh cod. There's nothing like fresh cod. You ask anybody who's ever caught a cod ever, it is extremely rare to catch one that is not riddled with worms. Yeah. Almost every cod is full of worms. Now, they're big worms, and you can, there's a method to get them out. They'll crawl right out. But still, I'll never forget the first time I ever went cod fishing. What, you put them in a brine? I actually wrap them in a paper towel, and a lot of times they'll just come out on their own in the fridge. Huh. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a few different ways. But I remember I caught a pile of it off Montauk. My my wife, who was just my girlfriend at the time, was living in New York City, and I brought all this cod to her apartment. And the girl she lived with, I was like, I am making you ladies fresh cod tonight. Oh, and like Busted no. out the fillets, and it was just like friggin' orange worms everywhere. And it was a total turnoff. It doesn't bother me, but a lot of people, if they knew, like even if you buy fancy cod, that shit had worms in it before it got to you. 100% speaking, guarantee. Speaking of <laughs> unexpected and surprisingly brightly colored, man, I know you've seen this a bunch, and I, I'm sort of familiar with it, but I don't understand the nuances of it. Every now and again, you will see an electric blue cod down to the color of the filet. Do you know anything yeah, about this? Yeah, but you know... I've seen that. I don't know what causes it, though. I don't know if it's if it's diet or what. But, I mean, I imagine the pigmentation has to be somewhat similar to, like, how don't ling mouths on the West Coast, like, during certain phases. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm making shit up. I don't know why that happens, but I have seen that before. There's also bright blue lobsters. That's a real prized thing up there. See, listeners, we don't know everything. We don't. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. I thought I was gonna tee you up, and you're gonna hit it out of the park, man. I was. I thought nah, you'd be like, I don't, "Well, I don't, it turns know any, out. I, don't know, I don't know anything about no blue cod, man. I don't know. That's that shit's whack." O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. 
The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. How about let's you know let's you want to get more festive? Little, let's say I'm gonna get a little more festive okay. and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna this is a little more uplifting, I guess. Um and just just a little more festive in general. And um I'm gonna have to uh kick it back to Santa Claus here. So I know we just talked to Santa and he had told us he wanted to go bill fishing somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh but but he must not have gotten the memo yet because it's apparently already been determined where he'll be fishing on December twenty-seventh, and here's how it was determined. Berkeley Fishing teamed up with Santa for quite the contest. And here's the gist in Santa's own voice via Berkeley's website. I love to fish. I've been fishing all around the world, and this year I thought I'd try to find someplace new and exciting. So I asked my friends at Berkeley Fishing if they could help me find a location that is the best fishing spot. And they said that they would love to do that. Santa sounds different in that yeah, clip, doesn't he? Yeah, he doesn't sound he? like the Santa he sounds, we he's interviewed. Like, he's like kindler, <laughs> gentler, more coherent. You know, Less anyway. Yeah, let you, let, yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, naturally, I'm always intrigued when like the um, best fishing towns or trout towns or striper towns or whatever are ranked, right? And this style of, of clickbait journalism, is it's like rampant now. Like, you can find a list of the, of the five best cities for anything these days, you know, like five best cities for people who love socks, best places to live if you hate <laughs> pet stores, you know, whatever. Uh, anyways, what Berkeley did was they, they put out a call for town submissions. That was step one. And they told me they received more than 40 town nominations from those. That's they it? whittled. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. But still 40. Okay. okay. Um, from those, they whittled down the list to the following five locations where Santa could end up. So these were the choices. Hartwell, Georgia, which is home of Hartwell Lake, and that's a pretty epic bass fishery. Uh Huntsville, Alabama. uh, That's also some killer bass fishing and crappie fishing down there. 
Springfield, Illinois, and which honestly, nothing is jumping out at me regarding famed fisheries in Springfield, but that's okay, because as we'll learn, um, these towns weren't just chosen based on having a big-time local fishery. There were other reasons for the decision. Uh, other choices, last two, Long Beach, California, which is on the coast just south of L.A., and finally, Panama City Beach, Florida. So the next phase of the contest was that they asked people to vote on one of those five locations. And, <laughs> and Santa, Our Santa definitely would have gone to Panama City. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a party town, right? It's a party town. Uh, and, and so you vote, and Santa will, will roll into whichever town wins on December 27th. Um, and it turns out, here is where Santa is actually going. Well, qualified to represent the LBC. Long Beach, California scored the most votes nice which doesn't totally rule out billfish for old saint nick like it's it's a long run but swordfish qualifies sure. right he can fly he can fly his sleigh over to catalina with the 80 wide and dance with a broad bill um anyway there, there there's there's more to the picture than just santa showing up to fish as i mentioned there's um more that to than just the fishery involved in these locations so berkeley is donating up to twenty five thousand dollars to the winning community and that can be used for anything fishing related that they want so um the locations were also very much tied to community needs that money can be used for conservation right or to promote fishing in the area so um it's all for a killer cause matter of fact on the website they explained these specific organizations that would benefit in each location and here's what it said for long beach a vote for long beach california will help el dorado regional park purchase specific items related to fishing and conservation education about the lake and wilderness. Additionally, prize money will be used to help purchase items to help preserve wildlife throughout the park. So that's pretty damn cool, man. Like that's Darn just an cool, all yeah. around cool, um, cool contest. Santa is also showing up with mountains and mountains of tackle and gear. Um, and Berkeley, if he's late or something, obviously we have a direct <laughs> line to him as well. That's true. So we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll give him a kick in the arse if need be. But I thought that was great. That's a really cool contest. Yeah, man. I mean, so many of these events are not only do they kind of like highlight, you know, certain fisheries and like are they're sure they're good for content, right? Like, you know, you're going to go out there and you're, you know, you're going to have a good time fishing or whatever. But I really love it when they tie in like all that conservation and bring attention to like a region that you might not think of as as somewhere yeah. that there is like some significant like fishing to be you know either improved from a public image standpoint or from a conservation exactly. standpoint exactly exactly and I, I think that's what's so so cool about what they've done here uh, initially you look at that list and you're like oh i understand this spot i understand this spot wait why here but then if you really read right. further into the specific reason that those five were chosen they're all very good reasons that would have benefited um a lot of local anglers so props for that. And now I guess we'll uh, we'll kick it over to Phil for his Christmas Eve judgment. Hey Phil, what's what's Santa bringing you? We'd love to know. And then as soon as Phil finishes explaining it to all of us non-gamers, oh, hey. um, <laughs> we've got a lovely heartwarming Hallmark Channel ready Christmas message from our dear friend River Horse. So for Christmas this year, I asked Santa for an uplifting and topical fish news story. And only one of you brought that to me this week. Joe Cermelli, you're the winner. <laughs> and Hayden, I'm not too upset with you for trading your holographic chancy for those two common Pikachu cards. You know why? 
because I was the guy that made that trade with you all those years ago. <laughs> Grade A sucker. Thanks for patting my kid's college savings account. Merry Christmas. Hey now, this is River Horse with some sagely wisdom. Coming to you from the far north Arctic Circle in Swedish Lapland, where all of the reindeer on this earth originated from. I'm on a little winter adventure with the Sami tribe. Is it cold, you ask? My lord, let's just say this place is set to chill. Speaking of all things chill, perhaps this holiday season finds you caught up in the sometimes bizarre, gonzo, and beautiful hurricane of extended family hoopla, with all the loose ends of making a living to navigate, which for some can be a wee bit overwhelming. Oh, you just pay it no mind. Just calm your soul. Late at night, after everyone else falls asleep, you just quietly slip on out the back door, take a deep breath, look up at the shimmering stars, and remember how lucky we are to be here. There are millions of miles of rivers, lakes, and oceans with fish out there waiting for you. As for me, I'm about to put a kettle of snow water over this birchwood fire and brew up some hot chocolate. Always say yes to whipped cream on top, baby. Then I'll curl up on this forest floor of pine needles in a sub-zero down sleeping bag and dream away of ten-pound bass. All lips and hips. Here's to you, my brothers and sisters. I will see you along the path in 2022. I believe in you. You got this. And remember, you don't always have to find the catch of a lifetime. Just find someone and get on under the mistletoe and oh my lordy, make it happen. River Horse is genuinely the only dude I know who can go from like an uplifting holiday message to like <laughs> straight up sensual in the span of three words. No, dude, I know. And that's that's why we love the guy. Like you come away from that, like, did I even hang mistletoe? Because I need to get on that shit right now. <laughs> Anyway, before we sign off, we've got an end of the line that I'm particularly excited about, okay? So last Christmas, I did one on the Panther Martin Spinner and talked about how I used to get them every Christmas for my uncle. And I ended that by saying the story I was telling about the Panther and how near and dear it was to my heart could easily be told similarly by someone else that grew up throwing an entirely different brand of spinner. And wouldn't you know it, our own Hayden Samick is that different someone. Fishy, 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 fishy! Well, that's not loud enough, Bert. My earliest memories are mostly fishing small streams with my dad and my brother and my grandpa. We might have been fishing for, you know, sunnies, stockers, or smallies, but one thing remained constant. At the end of our lines, always a Swiss swing. Now, a Swiss swing is an inline spinner with a brass bead body and silver, gold, or copper-colored blade embossed with scales and the words Swiss Swing. My brother and I grew up fishing them almost exclusively. I assumed 
everyone knew what a Swiss swing was, and I carry that assumption with me right up to the point that I sat down to write this. Long story short, I couldn't find any information on the spinner. I couldn't find out who manufactured them, let alone how they were developed. It became clear that if I wanted to know more about this spinner, I was going to have to look somewhere else. So I started researching a similar but apparently more well-known spinner called the CP Swing. In the pantheon of great spinners, the CP Swing is a cult classic. But oddly, not much information exists on the history of this spinner either. So I went down yet another rabbit hole, which took me all the way to the advent of the inline spinner itself. It was French engineer André Mulnard who developed and patented the first inline spinners in 1938. Eventually, a guy named Todd Sheldon started selling them in the U.S. and in 1973 bought Mulnard's company outright. That company was, and is still, known as MEPS. Now, this is not a story about MEPS, but MEPS, specifically the MEPS shimmy, might have played an important role in the development of the CP swing. If we look at Mulnar's original patent for the MEPS shimmy next to an image of the CP swing, you will notice that the CP swing bears a striking resemblance to Mulnar's drawings. As I've said before, history of the CP swing is hard to come by, and this might be the reason for that. Comparing the two, I think it would be fair to assume that the CP swing was, in fact, a knockoff of Mulnar's original design for the MEPS shimmy. The fact that genuine CP swings are advertised as made in France also points to this as a possibility. Perhaps this is why a detailed history of the popular lure is so hard to come by. The CP swing is probably a knockoff of an early MEP, and to that end, we're nearly done unpacking a very unofficial and speculative history of the Swiss swing. Now, I want to add one thing in here. I noticed that in the forums and online classifieds I was researching, many folks discussing and advertising Swiss swings are based in the Northeast, and the majority are located in my home state of Pennsylvania. This could be the final piece of the puzzle. Listeners, together, we may have solved the mystery of why I know these inline spinners as Swiss swings. It seems one of the talismans of my childhood is, in fact, a regional knockoff of a knockoff, made in some factory, somewhere, by someone, though no one can tell you exactly who. Again, I admit, all of this is wildly speculative. If you know something I don't, write me. I'd be glad to hear from someone who knows better than I. But to be honest with you, the lack of definitive origin has quickly become one of my favorite things about this familiar little spinner. Because in trying to uncover that origin, I've found the story of the Swiss swing is written entirely by those who use it. I want to end with something else I discovered in my research, a surprising and shared sentimentality. Of the Swiss swing, folks wrote, Oh man, that spinner caught an absolute ton of smallies for dad and I in Cayuga. That back in the day, it's the only spinner we used on trout, and they killed him. There were dozens of anecdotes just like this, penned by all sorts of fishermen, and most of them framed the little spinner as a treasured part of their past. It seems that I'm not alone in my fondness and nostalgia for the Swiss swing, and that speaks to a paradox I've noticed within these more sentimental aspects of fishing. There are certain things a fisherman will experience that are at once deeply personal and somehow ubiquitous. Perhaps that's why, as fishermen, we're able to meet a stranger on a riverbank and within minutes know them. Did you grow up fishing a lure no one else seems to know about? Shoot us a note at bent at themeateater.com and tell us what personal favorite was at the end of your line. So, 
So that's it for the Christmas Eve version of Bent. We hope all of you have a wonderful time with your friends and family, full of holiday cheer, copious amounts of eggnog, and plenty of glazed ham, my friends. You know, I uh, I got hammered once on eggnog, and I really, really don't <laughs> recommend it. If you thought a white Russian hangover is gross, <laughs> it's a whole other thing. Yeah, the um, eggnog is slightly thicker than the Russian. Slightly it's, thick. It's heavy. It's, it's more heavier. of a sipping drink, I, I've come to learn. Uh, but what I do recommend is sending a bar nomination, awkward photo, sale bin item, news piece, or question to bent at themeateater.com. You know, I, I can speak for Joe uh, when I say this. We love hearing from you guys. Yeah, I can also speak for myself, too, and say we sure we surely do. Also, keep using those Degenerate Angler and Bent podcast hashtags on the gram. Perhaps tag a uh, fishy something Santa left you. And from the bottom of our degenerate hearts. Wait, folks, 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 Merry Christmas. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.